pray that the work of the Holy Ghost would be manifested in our life. For Lord, truly we know that all things that are by you and without you, nothing that is would exist. Lord, bless our time today. Lord God, as we celebrate the greatest miracle that there has ever been, uh, your, your, your birth, your life, your death, your resurrection, and uh, thank you for that today. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. I have some notes here. I have a couple of alarms set. I have an alarm set to be through with my lesson. If you'll just pass those out for me. And uh, Brother Danny, if you'll take the extras and pass them out as they, they come in. Uh, this is our third lesson on this series we are calling It's All About Love. Love. God is love. If we understand that the nature of God is love, and everything that's written in the book, in your Bible, from Genesis 1 to Revelations chapter 22, it is from God and it comes from His heart, from His motivation of love. I believe that when God spoke, let there be light, that purpose in that declaration of what would be, what he created, it was creating an environment that on the sixth day he made man, formed man from the dust of the earth and uh, breathed in him the breath of life and man became a living soul. All that happened the six previous, five previous days was to create an environment for man to have a relationship with God. And so the whole Bible is about love. Granted, uh, we must understand that this God of love, he has uh, an expectation from those he loves. Not unlike the love that my wife and I have together, uh, we are in a covenant with one another. July the 11th of, uh, in 1992, we uh, were gathered together with friends and family, and we said, I do. And we got hitched. We were married. And from that day until this, we live in a covenant. And I love my wife, and I know that she loves me. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing. But love is not simply a feeling. Uh, if, if love is simply a feeling, you could fall in love and out of love. Uh, more than a feeling, love is a commitment. Because you don't always feel love. Sometimes you might feel frustration. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you may be feel anger. You may, be, you may uh, have strife, but you still love that person. And in the New Testament, we, in fact, in the Old Testament as well, God looks at his people as a bride, as, as one that he has gave himself for to walk in covenant with them. And so when God loves you, it, he wants to be in covenant with you. 
And, and if you will walk within the promises of God, the limits of what God will allow to be a blessing in your life are almost limitless. But it all, it all revolves around our receiving and honoring and walking in a way that shows our love for God. And so when we read that God, His commandments, God did not say, thou shalt not have other gods simply to be onerous. Or He didn't say, don't cover your neighbor's donkey. Or uh, uh, He didn't say uh, all the things the, the, the Ten Commandments say. Uh, those were not simply for God to be onerous or difficult, but it was to protect us. He knows if you are desiring your neighbor's donkey, that's not going to be a good environment for you. It's going to cause strife, going to cause... Right? And so everything that God provided for us in His Word comes from a, a place of love. I, I last The first Sunday, I used a stool. I don't know where it's at. But uh, a stool is designed a certain way. And you need to position yourself in the right way on it for it to be comfortable. A stool upside down, if you sit on it, it's not comfortable. In fact, it might not hold up. If you sit it on the side, you break it. It's not restful, right? In the same way with the Word of God, God wants us to rest on His Word. And a lot of times people approach the Word from a wrong perspective. They misunderstand God's motives. And so regardless of what the Word of God says, if you don't understand the context and the position and the direction from which God is coming, I mean, uh, it's possible to know the truth but not have any, any real understanding of it. And so from that, Deuteronomy chapter 6, I believe that's on your notes. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commands to teach you. Commanded to teach you that, that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess it. And that, you, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments. Which I commanded thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life. And that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily. And as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Read that with me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy soul. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy might. Everybody say love. This is more than a feeling. It is a commitment and a focus to say, I want everything that I do to honor my God. I want the places I go, the things I listen to, the things I think about. I want my life to be a reflection of my love for God. I heard someone saying, I said it a couple of weeks ago, 
that love is the greatest discipline. And he related it to his wife. I love my wife, so I don't look at other women. I love my wife. I don't carry on uh, in any real way with other women because I am totally dedicated. Uh, a few years ago, the governor race here in Mississippi, there was a man running for governor, Foster by the last name, and there was a CNN uh, news lady that wanted to ride in his truck. And he said, I mean, I'm glad to talk to you, but I don't ride in my truck with, with a, a woman that's not my wife. And they made this, do y'all remember this? Made this huge deal that this man wouldn't ride in the truck with this woman. And they, the, all kinds of commentary, our Vice President Pence uh, said that he was never alone with another woman. And again, they, they just made this big deal about he wouldn't eat with another woman. But we understand that that makes perfect sense. I don't remember the tagline. I actually have a t-shirt. I think it's my truck. Huh? My truck, my rules. And so that, that, that he, just, he experienced blowback because he had this commitment to honor his wife. And how much more should we be willing to say, you know, I have some commitments and convictions in my life, and I don't care what anybody else says. This is between me and my God. Because I love Him. I'm going to conduct myself in a way that lets Him know and everybody else in the world, He's my God. And so thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Today we're going to talk about one God, definitive, declaration, indivisible, singularity. There is one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Everybody say one Lord. One. There's one God. This separated most of the religious world in the days of the Jews. Abraham and specifically uh, the, the, the other religions, Babylon and those in whom Babylon influenced, they, they worshipped the pantheon of the stars. They worshipped the moon and the rivers. They worshipped the beast and the demons. They worshipped the mountains and the streams. They worshipped all manner of things, even to the point that they would cut down a tree and form it into all manner of things, and they would bow down and worship a thing created by the hands of a man. Idolatry, worshiping other gods. And it was central to the, the Abrahamic faith that there is one God. There is one Lord. And in the New Testament, we understand that the one God of the Old Testament is revealed in Jesus Christ. When we get to heaven, there is one that sits on the throne because Jesus is the visible of the invisible God. And so we have one God, we have one love, we have one focus. And this is fundamental to our faith and our embrace of this biblical truth. And I have a number of scriptures that I have written down just to kind of nail this down. There is not multiple gods, there is one God. Deuteronomy 4 and 35, unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God, there is none else beside him. Isaiah 42 and 8, I am the Lord, 
that is my name and my glory will I not give to another neither praise uh, to graven images. Isaiah 44 and 6, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his, the Redeemer, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. Isaiah 44 and 8, Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have I not told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Verse 45 and 5, I am the Lord, there is none else, there is no God beside me. 45 and 6, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west, and there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God. This is Jesus with all thy heart, all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Deuteronomy 4 and 35, unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God. There is none else beside him. How many lords are there? There's one Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Everybody say, one Lord. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. How many gods are there? One. How many lords are there? One. And God is the Lord, and the Lord is God. It's not God and the Lord. God is the Lord, right? Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, right? And so in the Old Testament, uh, when you find the word all capitals, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the proper name of Jehovah God. There actually is no vowels in it. It is simply the consonants. In fact, the Jews won't even speak, devout Jews won't even speak the, 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 the proper name of God. They have other things they refer to him as. They will not even speak that out loud. One Lord. So when Paul was going to the road to Damascus and he was struck down off his donkey and he said, Who are you, Lord? He is saying, Who are you, Jehovah? He was very sincere. Brother BJ preached a great message about a month or so ago. He, had a, he was so devout, but he was so blind because he didn't know who the Lord was. Who are you, Lord? And the Lord... I don't know how loud it was, but I imagine it was earth-shattering for Paul. He said, I am Jesus. Oh, 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 Jesus is the Lord? Oh, wow. You know, some people would find that to be a revelation today. Because a lot of people today don't believe that Jesus is the Lord, as in the one Lord of the Old Testament. Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, 
thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself him the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men. And being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I think it's so important for us to understand it's hard, it's impossible, in fact, for us as simple people to understand the infinite God. So really the only thing that we can definitively know about God is what the Word of God declares about God. And the Word of God declares there's Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now, now I know there's a lot of things in the scripture. We say, well, I don't understand that. Well, you look at the mysteries of God through the lens of scripture. And so anytime there is uh, things that seem to be a little out of sync, you don't look at the, these things through the lens of tradition. You look at them through the lens of scripture. And what the scripture plainly states, the word of God is true. The challenge is, many people today are just confused about God. Right? I've heard people try to explain the doctrine of the Trinity. And they say, well, it's just a mystery. You just got to accept it in faith. Well, I would say the Bible does not lay out, explain or give the doctrine of the Trinity. I would say most people don't really believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. They, they, they use the word, God in three persons. They, they believe in the word, but most people, they believe that Jesus is God. They believe Jesus is God. And they don't really believe that God is three individual people because you don't find that in scripture the bible doesn't teach that they're co-equal three co-equal co-eternal co-existent persons you're not that's not in the book the book says i've got it in my notes here colossians 2 and 1 to the acknowledgement of the mystery of god you know they talk about it being a mystery the mystery of god and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man beguile you, trick you, deceive you with enticing words. Verse 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Look what Paul says in verse 9. For in him... Everybody say Jesus. For in Jesus dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him. Who's who's him? Jesus. And ye are complete in Jesus, which is the head of all principality and power. And so here here, here is the, the, the confusion. 
Jesus is not in the Godhead. The Godhead is in Jesus. The fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Not a third of the Godhead. Not just a single person of the Godhead. But all the fullness of God. Not all. God is a spirit. Prior to the incarnation that we see in Jesus Christ, God is a spirit. God, a spirit hath not flesh and blood. That this spirit of God cannot be contained by the universe. The spirit of God is in the universe and outside of the universe. He's in time and he's outside of time. God is infinite. But the, the nature of God, the, the personality of God, the, 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 the visible uh, character of God was revealed in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 20, y'all have that in your scriptures? John 20 and verse 27, And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord... And my God, he's talking to Jesus. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas saw Jesus and he didn't say my third person in the Godhead. He said my Lord and my God. How many gods are there? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So Thomas, being a devout Jew, when he said to Jesus, my Lord and my God, Peter, uh, Jesus is out. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. I don't want you to, 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 to mess things up. I'm the Son of God. I'm just the Son of God. Jesus acknowledged the declaration of Thomas. Yes, you believe that I am the Lord and the God because you see me. But blessed are they that believe that I am the Lord and the God and haven't seen me. Right. And I, I've got it referenced here. Uh, the, the, the revelation that converted Saul into who became the Apostle Paul, he, he, he looked up and he said, Who are you, Lord? And the revelation came back and said, I am Jesus. He didn't say, I'm the second person in the Godhead. He said, I am the Lord. Jesus said, to the, the, the declaration, who are you, Lord? Jesus said, I am Jesus. And, and a lot of people, they, 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 they read the scripture through uh, religious tradition. And, and, and they, they view tradition as being equal and even more authoritative than the Bible. I, I, a number of, four or five years ago, I think it was, I was looking for a vehicle for I believe Noah to drive so that was probably four years ago and I went and test drove a, a car someone was selling on the marketplace and a nice little Toyota something I'm glad I'm not having to buy cars for kids right now oh my lord the cars are so expensive can I get a witness and uh, I was driving around and the guy is in a senior year at Reform Seminary and he's a Presbyterian. And he says to me, and I, he asked me, you know, I'm telling my pastor, he said, pastor, what, what kind of pastor? A Pentecostal church? Where's your church? He said, what's the difference in Pentecostal and Presbyterian? I said, well, there's a lot of difference. But here's the two, two main reasons, two, two main differences is 
how we answer the question, what must I do to be saved? We don't look to church tradition to answer the question. We look to the scripture. How, what did the apostles say to people when they said what I need to do to be saved? What was their answer? How we answer the question, what do I need to be saved? That's the big one. The second big one is we, I, we put no value in historical Christianity that came from the Reformation. Good things happened out of the Reformation, but a lot of bad theology came from the Reformation. And many people that say they believe in historical Christianity, they don't believe in all historical Christianity, just their selected parts based on their denomination. Lutherans believe in Martin Luther's part of the Reformation. Calvinists believe in the John Calvin part of the Reformation. Uh, and, and Methodists believe in John Wesley's part of the Reformation. So every denomination have their little uh, a demigod. Uh, they, they look at what they've written and they, they, they raise that part of tradition and say, I believe in that historical Christianity. I, I appreciate it. But if, if they're writing... You know, you read the Institutes of Calvin. He wrote uh, libraries of books. There's, there's some, a lot of good things in that. But the problem is, I said to him, I said, I said that I don't, so I, don't spend, I don't spend any time reading these historical documents from the Reformation. I said, we've studied the Scripture. We read the Scripture. We preach the Scripture. And he said to me, he said, oh, man. He said, I was just telling my friends the other day. I wish we could just stop reading all these reformers and let's just study the scripture. And I said, bingo. That's the difference. Is We do not find those books to be informative or valuable to doctrine. Because many times those doctrines in those books are in a contradiction to the scripture. I remember there was a, a school board meeting uh, Years ago, probably 15, 16 years ago, and I had been invited. So I was one of the parents, and it was a Christian school, Mount Salus. And uh, there was this huge controversy because the school invited a man that was Presbyterian, but he wasn't, he didn't believe all of the Westminster Confession. Don't waste your time looking it up. But I, 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 was, I was in the meeting, and, and they said, well, he doesn't believe all the parts of the Westminster Confession. And I'm like, I don't either. Westminster Confession says that you should uh, baptize babies. That's not in the Bible. They didn't invite me to any more <laughs> meetings. They didn't kick us out of the school. I guess that's good. Uh, you know, there's probably some good things in it, but most of the stuff in the Westminster Confession is just a bunch of guys' opinions that they view that as authoritative. And if the Scripture is contradictory to their tradition, they will choose to choose their tradition because if they chose the scripture as a pastor, they would lose their jobs. They, I mean, you lose your insurance, right? And so that, that's the distinctive between us and a lot of Christianity is that we do not look to scripture to fulfill or to inform our doctrine from the Godhead to salvation to eternity, the whole book. The book is the book. And all the other books, whether I'm writing the book or my, my parents write the book or the Pope writes the book, it's a book of man. And if another book of man contradicts what, or, or, or discounts or brings doubt to the Word of God, that book has no value to me when it comes to 
informing my doctrine. Amen. I got a little sidetracked. Romans 10. What saith thee? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. Acts 2, I actually mentioned it. Uh, the first time people asked, you know, what do we need to do to be saved? Then Peter said unto them, uh, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and the rest of them, Men and brethren, what shall we do? That's the first time somebody asked what did they need to do to be sa saved. After the resurrection, specifically after the day of Pentecost, and what does it say? Then Peter said to him, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That scripture, most people don't believe that scripture is true. Because they say, well, baptism, it's simply an outward show of an inward work. Uh, show that to me in the scripture. Does the scripture say that baptism is simply an outward show of an inward work? That's not in the Bible. Peter preached... Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So there is a spiritual benefit. For, remission means forgiveness. And if you look at the Apostle Paul, if you look at what Romans 10, uh, 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 10 and 8, what saith that thy word is neither even in thy mouth, in thy heart, this is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't have my scripture here. Acts 22, Paul is telling of his conversion. And he is telling them about his salvation. And the Bible says he told them, he was told by Ananias, he said, Arise and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord, washing away your sins. So Paul himself, I believe if you understand that when he called upon the name of the Lord, it was in baptism. When he called upon the name of the Lord in baptism, he was told his sins were washed away. And so when you read Romans 10, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Understand this man had the name called over him when he was baptized. Revelations chapter 1. This is Jesus. Jesus said. Everybody said Jesus said it. Jesus. I am Alpha and Omega. Beginning and ending. What's it say? Saith the Lord. Which is, which was, which is to come. The Jesus said. He is the Almighty. Verse 10. I was in the spirit of the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of trumpets saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, which... What thou seest, write in the book and send it to the churches, etc., etc. And uh, he describes what he saw, this heavenly vision that he had of the Lord. And when I say he had of the Lord, he had when he saw Jesus. And so this morning, uh, this is the third lesson. It's all about love. And I'm teaching doctrine. The first Sunday, I talked about how... That, that our, our reception of the word is it comes, Jesus loves us, we love Jesus, so we believe the word of God. 
the Bible says wear purple socks, I'm down with it, right? That means I got two minutes. That means I'm down with it. Whatever the word says, I'm not going to argue it. I'm not going to debate it. I love the Lord, so I'm going to seek to do his word, do his will, please him, right? The parable of the sower, one kind of ground received no benefit. In fact, Jesus said Satan came and took the seed, stole it from them. What was the definition of the seed that went by the wayside? Wasted. Because when they heard the word, they did not receive it because they did not understand it. If you expect to understand the word before you obey the word, chances are the devil's going to come steal that word and you're going to stay blind. As I said last week, if you're not true to the truth you have, God is under no obligation to bring you into more truth. But if we will be true to the truth we have, I believe the Bible says, Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Second week, I, I talked about how it's all of the word. And that, that, the, that whenever we look at the word, it's not a pick and choose. Uh, Brother Noah has been teaching a Bible study and the conversation with someone at Heinz. And the thing I told him, I said, the main thing you have to help somebody understand is it's all true. John 3 and 5 is absolutely true. Except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's true. John 3, 16, same chapter, same conversation. Jesus and the same man says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is true. Right? Romans 10 and 9. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, this is true. As well as Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. It's all true. And when we love the Lord, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I want to love the Lord with all my heart with all my soul, with all my might, with all my strength. I want to love the Lord with all I've got. Because the Lord has said, if I will love him like that, he's going to give me everything he's promised. If I don't love the Lord like that, those promises are conditional. Amen? How many of you want everything God has for you? And what does that mean? You receive it in faith, and you receive the whole thing in faith, and even this morning, we start out in the doctrine of the Godhead. Jesus Christ is Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ. How many lords are there? One Lord, one faith, one baptism. It's all, there's one, indivisible. And God, when we get to heaven and we see God, God is going to look like Jesus. Because Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. How many of you love Jesus? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, today for the word of God. Lord Jesus, it is a lamp, it is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you, O oh God, would 
Open the eyes of our heart that we may see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Lord, that we may have a fresh appreciation, a fresh understanding that there is but one Lord and His name is Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we love you and we thank you for your word. We pray that, oh God, you would lead us, guide us. Lord, give us the ability to understand it and even greater, give us the ability to communicate it and share it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. Got about 10 minutes and we will, we will start worship service in Jesus' name.